hey, good morning. The sun is just creeping in, in the gaps between the buildings. I'm down at the studio. It's 8.30 on Sunday morning. I came down early because I've got a lot on today. And I wanted to record a podcast because I know I haven't recorded one for a couple of weeks. Uh, and I knew if I didn't do it now, I wouldn't get the chance. You know, it's just one of those days when uh, if I let it creep, and I've done that for about a week when I've kept going, right, I need to record a podcast. I need to record a podcast. And then, well, life has just taken over. Seriously, we've gone from more or less being locked in to being worn out. I'm Paul. This is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. <laughs> So it has been a very busy week. This has been half-term week here in the UK, which is a a one-week holiday midway through the term or semester, if uh, you prefer to call it, where the schools are off. And of course, it generally means the sun is shining and families are able to come to the studio and be photographed during the weekdays. So we have been working flat out. But the weather, well, the weather, frankly, has conspired against us. So we've had a week or so of beautiful sunshine all the way up until the point when I needed to pick up the camera and get people out into our studio garden, at which point the heavens opened and they did it with such glorious enthusiasm. There was water bouncing everywhere. It just doesn't seem very fair. We've had such a wet season and now when we're more or less able to work at full capacity, of course, Uh, the weather has done its best to make that tricky had to move one shoot because the family specifically wanted uh, photographs of them frolicking out in the beautiful uh, floral scening of our gardens the floral scene of our gardens and just couldn't do it the rain was just battering down and although we do have a really beautiful studio here some of our clients just want those really lovely sunny outdoor pictures which being British Well, that just makes things a little bit tricky. But on the other hand, it still has been busy. I haven't totted up how many portrait shoots we've done, but it's quite a lot. And obviously going from being in a lockdown when we're barely able to work at all uh, to doing the number of shoots we've done this week uh, has been uh, a little bit of a stressor. I have to say, I found it... I don't know how I found it. At the end of every shoot, I've loved it. So closing out each shoot... My adrenaline's running. I've had a lovely time with the clients. I'm finding it really creative. Uh, the pictures we're creating seem to be really nice, although obviously we haven't had them up onto the screens yet. So I'm having an absolute ball. But the nerves as people are coming, I'm finding just a little bit heightened. I'm finding it a little bit more stressful uh, than I used to. And I get stage fright anyway. So right now, I'm just having to get used to being back in that rhythm. Uh, I shot a wedding uh, last week, and the weird thing about that is when I'm working at full tilt, or rather when we've been working at full tilt for a period of time, I only need to glance at my camera bag, and I can tell you what's missing. The bag's all laid out, I know where everything is, all the spare kit, all the duplicate kit, where the batteries are, I can just pretty much do it by glancing well, this was the first wedding I've done in six months. And I, <laughs> it's the first time I've had to drag out checklists for as long as I can remember. Uh, having to make sure that I've got everything, I've thought of everything. Uh, all the right kit is in all the right places. Uh, and all of those bags are packed and in the car. 
and I haven't forgotten anything. Luckily, the beautiful wedding was only just down the road. It was down at Le Manoir, which is uh, one of my favourite venues. Uh, It was one of the best hotels and restaurants in the world, so it's a real privilege to be down there with Raymond Blanc and his team. Uh, But it's luckily only 10 minutes down the road, so if, if the worst came to the worst, Sarah could have dropped stuff off. Uh, but nonetheless, it just means I'm having to really, I'm having to think in a slightly more, not, I'm not going to say organised fashion, because when I'm running at full tilt, I'm probably more organised than ever, but in a more uh, methodical way. Let's put it like, let's put it like that, list driven, having to make sure everything is where it should be. Every battery is charged and in its white compartments. Uh, and of course, working with the Z7 II, things like battery life have become a whole new beast. Uh, about three quarters of the way through the wedding, I realised that I was going to run out of batteries. Uh, they it just, it, It's much smaller batteries uh, in the Z7, in the mirrorless unit, than uh, my big D5. And so the uh, luckily I'd taken a battery charge along with me. And so I quietly I plugged it into a corner. Of course, it wasn't a problem. I had thought ahead. Uh, but it does mean I'm going to have to keep an eye on that until Nikon finally release, I think they're going to call it the Z9. I think that's the uh, nomenclature uh, for their big flagship camera, which is due out towards the end of the year. Could have done with that a year ago, really, guys down at Nikon. Uh, it feels a little bit like all, all of my Canon friends are all raving about the R5. Uh, of course, all of the Fuji guys have been mirrorless for a long time. Uh, but Nikon uh, have been holding off and holding off, and I could really do uh, with getting the Z9 into my hands. Uh, so end of the year, I think, for that one. Uh, partly because the thing is, when you start to switch systems, of course, you start to switch lenses. Now, this uh, 70-200, the Z series 70-200, is unreal. It's the sharpest lens in the world, as far as I can tell. I mean, it isn't. I'm exaggerating. But you get the gist of it. Uh, it's just a lovely, lovely thing. Uh, other stuff on the Z7 on my little journey into <laughs> mirrorless. Uh, the worst thing so far is that I'm having to get used to something slightly different. On the D5 and all of the big pro cameras, essentially every major function has a button or a switch on the body of the unit. With these mirrorless cameras, of course, you've got far more functionality actually than I've ever had, even on the D5. The problem is though, it's all in menus and little pop-up menus and you can attach a menu to this button and then you can get to the menu. But I don't want to do that. As I'm walking or running or about to change position, I want to flick a switch like I used to, that changes it, for instance, from uh, single shot focus to servo focus. Simple thing. But now I have to find a way of going into a menu. Now I've just found, luckily, I found a way of assigning that to one of the hot buttons. So that's a step forward. I can do that. Um, But you still have to think. You have to push the right button, watch what's on the screen, and roll a dial. Whereas I'm just so used to flicking a little switch. Uh, the other thing which I have noticed, which is driving me crazy, and I don't think this is specific to a mirrorless setup. I think it's specific to the fact that I've just moved from the D5, which is a flagship pro camera, to, although it is at the moment Nikon's flagship Z7 II, it's their current flagship mirrorless. You definitely know it's not the same as a D5. So in the dark, the buttons don't light up. (laughs) I know that sounds really fussy, but when you're working in a really dark venue, when you jab a button and all of the buttons light up on the camera so you can see what you're doing, that's really useful. And although I know the camera, I knew my D5 inside out, so I guess in a sense, I didn't need the buttons to light up. 
I could really do with it on the Z7. Uh, however, on the whole, beginning to rather enjoy it. Uh, I always knew I'd like the idea that what you see is what you get in the screen. I never had a problem with that. Uh, videographers, for instance, have had that function or filmmakers have had that function for as long as film or digital cameras have been around. Um, and I've always been very envious of it. So it's really lovely to have that. The other thing, though, that does catch me out a little is the switch time from playing back an image to going into shooting mode uh, or going from powered off to powered on. They're just not quite quick enough. I'm so used to peering through an optical viewfinder and hitting the button and it just happens. Um, I have to think ahead a little bit and I just have to be a little bit more watchful as to what is going on. Um, and then, of course, that's offset with the fact that every shot that you take should be now exposed perfectly there's no excuse when you are seeing what you're going to get and you have a live histogram inside the viewfinder uh, so there should be no excuse uh, for that uh, so yeah portrait shoots wedding being down to the hearing dogs a couple of times uh, which was just beautiful uh, a really lovely shoot the flowers are out buttercups everywhere sunshine greenery beautiful dogs beautiful people yeah life's been really 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 nice uh, so, uh, where are we? Well, just before I go into the main topic, uh, main, sorry, main topic, what the hell is that? Just before I go into the main topic, this episode is once more kindly sponsored by Panasonic Eneloop. Now, here in the studio, we have already switched to pretty much rechargeables on anything I can, but globally, we are still using around 40 billion batteries every year and if every studio and every user of batteries just made that transition to rechargeables we could really make a difference to the amount of crap uh, we're stuffing into into landfill and into our oceans and everything else uh, i can't say being a photographer is particularly in a, a particularly efficient thing we need batteries for everything but at least if we're doing our bit to minimize the impact, then that is a wholly good thing. Uh, these black Eneloop Pro batteries that I've been given are really, really good. Uh, they've got a capacity of 2,500 milliamps, which essentially means they hold quite a lot of voltage. And they hold that, this is the bit I love the most, they hold that, 85% uh, of that for a year. So while I am still fanning around getting the hang of what's in my camera bag, the one thing I'm not worrying about is cross-checking that the batteries that I haven't used have held their charge from last week. I know they have because these Eneloop Pro batteries do precisely that. Uh, and that on its own is really enough. But if you pair them up with this brilliant charger, they can be recharged up to 500 times. They fully charge in about two and a bit hours. Uh, and the really nice touch, I used this the other day because I needed some charge very quickly, is if you plug a USB cable into the side of the unit, it becomes a fully disconnected, fully mobile uh, battery charger, uh, a USB charger. So thank you to the guys at Panasonic uh, for uh, supporting our podcast and thank you for uh, letting me have some of these Eneloop Pro batteries. I've actually, like I said in a previous podcast, we like them. They're really good. I went out and bought some for the studio anyway. Uh, so anyway, on to this episode. And I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, taking pride in your work. Now, this stems on multiple angles, but so often when I'm mentoring or training or somebody shows me a picture, they start by apologizing. And now that's not very clever. Don't do that. I mean, that's just one tiny aspect of it. But the thing about being a creative is you have an inherent 
I think, an inherent insecurity about your work. But if you're not proud of your work, how can the people you're showing it to be proud of it too? Now, they may, they may argue with you. They may tell you, oh, don't be silly. Don't be silly. Your photos are beautiful. What are you on about? And I guess, in a way, that's what most of us are looking for. But you have to start, I think, by being proud of your work. Now, when I was brought up, I was brought up to be modest about your achievements. Whatever it is you've done, to be modest about it. Not to brag, always be self-effacing, uh, never to talk about your awards or money or all of these things. This is a very British thing, I suspect. And if someone compliments you, is to simply say thanks or bat it away. And it is all very well and good and it is so very British. But if you think about that, if you think about it, that's exactly the opposite of any marketing campaign. If you, if you do marketing, if you're a marketing guy, you know you have got to, in a very short space, get across the benefits of what it is you do. Every advert essentially is extolling the product's virtues or the service's virtues, and it's proud. It's proud of that service or that product. So very un-British, true, but you need to get the hang of it. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not saying be cocky and I'm not saying you need to be a bragger. We all hate that. There's, there's, there's no way that you'll ever catch me in that. But I think there is a simple trick to it. So instead of using the word pride, which has all of those negative connotations, the whole pride comes before a fall and all of that stuff, switch that word with words like passion or energy or enthusiasm or craft. Switch this word that has nuances that are not great for something that doesn't have passion in your work now I hate that word as it happens because if you read someone's CV because you can imagine how many CVs we get here it says I'm passionate about my photography well yeah that's easy to write passion isn't something you should say you should never say I am passionate I don't think passionate is something that you can't self-describe you either are or you aren't but being passionate having passion in your work having energy and enthusiasm and using that energy while you're with a client when you're working when you're showing your work when you're displaying your work I think is a really good thing because if you have energy and passion in what you're doing it really does come across and it shows that you genuinely care in a sense it's the good form of pride it's the bit of pride that means you're really investing in the moment you're really investing in the client and of course you're really investing in your work so take that pride in everything you do every image you create in the end is a reflection of you who you are what you do what you've learned what you know your creativity your very soul in a sense i mean photographers like every creative or every creative industry or every creative occupation we wear our hearts on our sleeve every time i take a picture every time i show a picture Everything about me is in that moment. It has to be. But the problem with that, of course, it makes you dreadfully insecure. If somebody doesn't like your work, they're not just criticising your work. They're criticising you. And we all know this. It's really, really hard. But you do need to have pride and in, in confidence and energy and all of these words that we bat around so easily. You need to have it in everything you do. And, of course, that is so every... every all of those things, every image is a reflection of you. Every movement you make, every 
conversation you have, the way you dress, the way you open the door, we've talked about this before, is a reflection of you and the investment in your work. Now, when you get to the bit where you're interacting with clients, it's even more important because it's your brand. The way you are is your brand and you need to have pride in all of it. Now, the trouble with the word pride and its negative connotations, I can't even say it, its negative connotations, is that it doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel comfortable. And I understand that. And on top of that, and I'm, I'm saying you need to learn to sell yourself and sell your work. And of course, being British, that whole modesty thing kicks in and it's really tricky. But here are a couple of lines uh, that I've picked up along the way that might help you. So instead of saying things like, my images are great, because that's gonna be really hard to do, if, uh, if like me, you're British, uh, instead of saying things like, I'm great with a camera, or I take amazing pictures, which in the end we should be doing, right? If you take good pictures, you should be able to say, I take good pictures. Your marketing should certainly say that, but it's really hard, particularly when you're facing a client. So instead of that, why don't switch it around a little bit? And this works on two levels. So things like, instead of saying, that's an amazing image because of course that feels a little bit immodest say you look amazing in that image your kids are beautiful and that image really captures their character i love the way the light plays off them and i love the way they sit in the frame that's such a lovely picture of your kids you can say things like the light was stunning on that day i'm so glad we made the most of it just look at the way the light is dancing around in that image or, of course, as a dog photographer, your dog, and every dog, your dog is just too cute. Uh, that picture of him it just captures something about his character. I love the sparkle in his eye and the way that you sort of get a sense of his character leaping out of the frame. I just love that picture of your dog. And then the final one I've got written down here is, um, I think that image would look amazing in a big frame. I've seen your house. Your house is so beautiful. And I just think that picture in a beautiful frame has something about it. There's something about you and the family around you and the relationships and the laughter that would just look magical in your home. And what I'm saying is just move it around. And it works on two levels. One, it sounds a lot less immodest. You're basically complimenting your client throughout. But you're doing it in a way that as a sort of side hand or backhand is complementing your own image too and the second is at the end of the day the sales process remember is a problem solving exercise you are trying to get your client into a mindset where you're solving some kind of problem you're setting up the dialogue um, and so this actually works when you say to someone you look amazing in that image you've just reassured your client you're well on the way to solving the problem of which image or should they buy an image and if so which image is it going to be that's going to go on the wall and even when you've finished all of the sales process and they come back to your studio or back to your location to pick up their finished product make sure make sure that the product is beautifully presented this gets ignored far too often and it gets ignored by your suppliers too You've, we've all had it when the boxes turn up and they're battered or they're you know just not very nice and it's no good. You've got to give your product to your client in a way that looks amazing. And if you 
can't do that, then hand deliver it to the house and you take the wrapping off and leave them with the frame on its own. Here we always have every box is beautiful. They're always ribboned up. They always have a name tag on them and they always have a little brand sticker in the corner that says it's come from us. Um, we never let anything go out or nearly never. One or two, one or two products have gone out where they, they, simply, they simply can make the product but they can't make a box for it. Uh, if someone's ordered something super large, in which case we have to, we will work with a client to get it into their home so it still looks amazing. I want the last memory of the interactions they have with me and the product to be that this was amazing. That that, that company, those that photographer, those uh, Michelle and Sarah and the team really made everything amazing. They took pride in their work. They had energy. They had passion. And you can tell because that comes out. That really comes out in everything that you deliver. The thing is, you cannot make someone love your images. You can't. But if you don't love them, then how can you expect to even get close to someone else loving them? Pride, of course, really does come before a fall. But a lack of it, well, that can be even more damaging. So there it is. That's my... <laughs> I felt like I was doing a thought for the day. I've always liked things like that. Uh, I'll get down off my soapbox now. I don't know why this one occurred to me uh, the other day. I think it was, I think I was doing some mentoring and someone apologized as they showed me their images. And of course, uh, for those of you who have had mentoring with me will know that I always shout at them, don't do that. Let me be the judge whether the images are uh, good or not or you know where we can improve them. Uh, don't ever apologize for your work. Take pride in it. So on that happy note, uh, it's my nephew's birthday this afternoon. I have a beautiful portrait shoot, three teenage boys to do this morning. And then I'm going to shut down the studio and head over to Cambridge to go and celebrate my nephew's sixth birthday with uh, a glass of wine and family all around us. I hope you too have a suitably sunny end to this uh, half-term holiday. And until next time, whatever else... Be kind to yourself. Take care.